Welcome to Perimenopology, where we explore and converse about what it means to transition out of the young, hot, fertile, and fuckable box that our society labels as most worthy when you are socialized as a woman. Around here, we are all about body literacy and talking about the topics that society tells us are unimportant or inappropriate. I'm Michelle Kapler, reproductive acupuncturist, Chinese medicine practitioner, and master feminist confidence coach, and you've got episode four. Hello, hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Perimenopology. Today, I'm releasing the first episode of the Hormone Highlight Series. This series of quick and easily digestible episodes is meant to support all of my listeners in developing a deeper understanding of exactly what's going on with their bodies and what they can expect in the future. Because here at Perimenopology, we deeply believe in body literacy as a number one priority. Not only because knowing your body helps you to know yourself more deeply, but also because when you come from a place of knowledge, you can advocate for the best medical care possible. If you are finding me at a later time than this episode is released, or you're simply reviewing the episodes, you can find them all by searching for all of the titles that say Hormone Highlight, or you can scroll through the podcast feed to find them. They're all labeled with this title, so you can find them easily. So today, we're going to talk about progesterone. I'm going to be answering the following questions. What is progesterone for? What role does it play in the body? What signs and symptoms might indicate that progesterone is out of normal range? And what options there are for treating symptoms of progesterone imbalance during perimenopause and beyond? And before we get started, I want to give my usual disclaimer that this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, is not intended to provide medical diagnosis or treatment, should not be substituted for consultation with or treatment from a qualified medical care provider, and does not indicate the formation of a patient-provider relationship. So, what is progesterone for? Though progesterone, just like any other hormone, has many roles in the intricate function of the endocrine system, which of course has the role to play in many of the other ways that our bodies just do their thing every day, the primary role of progesterone is in reproductive function. That is, it supports the body in preparing for, creating, and maintaining a pregnancy, especially in the first trimester. Progesterone also plays a big and important role in regulating the menstrual cycle. To give you a quick overview of how progesterone works in a given menstrual cycle during the years that someone has a menstrual cycle, I'll just summarize it here. Everything starts in the pituitary gland, which is located in the brain. This gland creates FSH or follicle-stimulating hormone and LH or luteinizing hormone. These two hormones cause an egg to grow and be released from an ovary each month. This egg grows in a little sac called a follicle. When this follicle is developing, the hormones estrogen and progesterone are produced, and these hormones thicken the lining of the uterus. Once the egg has been released from the follicle, which is commonly known as ovulation, progesterone levels rise to help maintain and nourish a pregnancy that has occurred. But if there's no pregnancy, progesterone levels begin to drop and menstruation or your period begins and the whole cycle starts over again. If a pregnancy does occur, progesterone begins to be produced by the placenta and the levels remain elevated throughout the pregnancy. Progesterone also plays a role in the growth of the milk producing glands that will help you to chest feed or body feed your baby once you have it. This is the main role of progesterone, but as with any hormone, 
it is part of an intricate balance of the endocrine system. That is your network of hormones that go through your body. So it has secondary roles to play as well. Progesterone also influences these few things like mood, sleep, menstrual function, so when you bleed and how much you bleed, and your libido or sex drive. So what happens with progesterone and perimenopause and how do we know if something is up? When somebody is in perimenopause, they will typically see a decline in progesterone production. That is, the levels of progesterone are lower and lower. And to give you an idea of where things are going, folks who are postmenopausal, that is, they finish their period and don't get a period anymore, they don't typically experience fluctuations or production of progesterone at levels that are high enough to cause changes in your body. So if somebody knows that they are not pregnant, symptoms of low progesterone production can include low libido, hot flushes, migraines or headaches, depression or anxiety or other mood changes, sleep difficulties, menstrual cycle irregularities such as spotting before your period or between periods, or an absence of a period altogether, which can usually indicate that you're not ovulating. Now, I want to take the opportunity to mention my usual caveat when doing episodes like these, which is that all bodies are different. Some folks will experience all of these symptoms, some will have a combination of a few of them, and some will experience none at all. A person's symptom picture may also change over time or from cycle to cycle. And as I always say, comparisons are odious. If a friend or family member or person in your life is experiencing symptoms that are the same as yours or different than yours, it doesn't mean anything about you or your unique and individual body. Though it is useful to talk with others about their experiences for the purpose of validation or venting or simply sharing, it is not useful to engage in comparisons with others to seek advice for your body because someone else's experience and medical data are not related to yours. And as for treatment options for progesterone deficiency, there are a few options on the table. But before you make any decisions, my rule of thumb is always test, don't guess. Progesterone levels can be measured through a blood test. Most providers will test on day three or four of the menstrual cycle and then again on day 21 or seven days past ovulation if your ovulation is early or late. These two values and snapshots in time are then compared to get an idea of the relative levels of this hormone in your unique and individual body. Typically, we see these symptoms arise in the luteal phase of the menstrual cycle if there's a progesterone deficiency going on, and that is post-ovulation. So this is when symptoms of low progesterone will be most visible and at their peak of severity, again, in most cases. If you have determined that your progesterone levels are low, there are options for treatment. There are pharmaceutical drug options, as well as bioidentical and natural options for hormone replacement. And there are some herbs and supplements that have been useful for people over time. However, there isn't a whole lot of research to definitively determine the efficacy of these products. Whatever your preference, my advice is to always seek care and guidance from a licensed and qualified healthcare provider. This might be your medical doctor or a naturopathic or functional medicine doctor. And in my patients' cases, because they want to try TCM herbs, they would see a Chinese medicine doctor or TCM practitioner like me. For guidance on what might be appropriate or useful for your unique and individual needs at the time, again, always important to consult somebody who is licensed and qualified. And just to say, and I think that this is the most important piece in all of this episode, is that there is no hierarchy of treatment options. One is not better than the other. There are all types of people who need care who will come to the table with all sorts of values and priorities. 
So if you tell your friend that you're using pharmaceutical medication and they tell you directly or indirectly that your choice is inferior or inappropriate because it's not the quote unquote natural route, know that one method is not better than the other. And conversely, if you want to try herbs or supplements first, that's okay too. And isn't any less legitimate than using a pharmaceutical solution. There is no right way to do this. Different bodies will have different needs and there will be varying levels of accessibility and options for people. And most of the time, it's usually just about trying a bunch of things and seeing what works. And in many cases, it ends up being a combination of a few things that ultimately provides a solution or maybe even just a little bit of relief. So that, my friends, is progesterone in a nutshell. For further information or to see the resources that provided the info for your show today, you can find the link to the episode page in the show notes. I'll be back next week with another episode. If you are loving what you're learning in the podcast and you want some more of this goodness, then you'll want to check out my perimenopausal body image confidence starter pack. It's a little collection of simple tools that you can start applying today to help you feel more confident when it comes to your body as you navigate the perimenopausal transition. It's free and it's available to you right now. Just head to michellecapler.com forward slash starter to download it for free today. Thank you.